Are we on? We are on. I think so. All right. Recording. Hi, everybody. Hello, anybody in the future. Yeah. <laughs> folks that will be listening in in the in the future. I hope people liked our first live live like I was going to say live screen. Our live stream. <laughs> um, I had fun. I thought it was a, a a slightly different vibe, but it was good. It was, and I liked it as well. Um, there were a few things I felt later I could could have expanded or I didn't talk much about, but it worked. It really worked. So, yeah. anyhow, I if people are just seeing that I'm on my phone, it's because I'm trying to text my cousin who's her the link she wants to be on here. But anyhow. Yay! <laughs> Anyhow, I stay. All right, Jess, let's do the intro and then uh, let's tell people what we're doing today since it's we're having a casual conversation. And you yeah. brought up something, and I thought it was a good uh, topic either because I hadn't actually done this topic with you. So let me just pull up my intro for okay. folks and, uh, and then so people can find us uh, wherever they feel most comfortable. And here it is. <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> this is all the world, but yeah, we can't cut out the coughing on the line. <laughs> Welcome to What's Left, a weekly political discussion challenging the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca, co-host, teacher, and so no, without teacher and socialist Andy Lipson because he's on vacation in Iceland. So I'm with Jessica, writer and teacher. Uh, Jessica, and we're online at whatsleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes where you found this episode or on our, um, and, um, or you can always find us on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. I think I said that twice. You can also find our personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and at ZPKE on Instagram and just as Twitter handles as at jhomie89. Right there. I put it right there. Right. And please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, and share your favorite episode where we found this episode. Thank you. That was a messy intro, but I think people get the idea. Oh, that was perfect. No Jess. one knows the intro like you. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, topic idea today. So I feel like last week, it was a pretty heavy topic. We talk about a lot of heavy topics on here, but I, I think we were feeling like we wanted to do something kind of light and casual. So I came up with top three red pills like out of any subject any point in our lives just moments that either just changed our changed something about the way that we view the world or potentially made us more skeptical about the forces that run our lives you know red, red pills and i i think now there's white pills and black pills and I don't know. There's a whole, you know, <laughs> conspiracy uh, pharmaceutical array of colors. Um, but I think red pill, you know, from the Matrix is kind of the original, like, yeah, that thing that snaps you out of the Matrix and real it makes you realize, oh shit, the world was not quite how I thought it was. So yeah, and I suggested this, and then um, I I found it a really hard prompt when I sat down today. Was like, let me come up with mine. Um, so I, yeah, I wrote some ideas in my journal, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. And, um, if people are joining on the live, it'll be cool to maybe hear a little bit in the chat. Like if you guys have any top red pills from your lives or in the comments on the recording. Yeah. Uh, so I had told you that 
I don't know. I don't remember now if I said it in this just a minute ago, but I had done. Yes, I did. Look at me, dementia, no sleep. Um, so I had done something similar like this before with Andy, and uh, it took us to an interesting uh, uh, place. And uh, and I think it's. I don't remember what I had said then, so I'll just have to go by the seat of my pants, right? And I hope that uh, maybe it's aligned with what I said, but I will post the episode link to that uh, episode I did with Andy sometime ago. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it because I'm I'm curious what you said, and I'm really curious what Andy said too for oh his top top ones. I just yes, so all right. Let's see. I guess I'll just maybe I'll start off because I yeah, have start off. Like, I don't even know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, the biggest, obviously, I, and I will go in depth about this next week because I'll I will be on me on my own. It's uh, my Jehovah's Witness background. I think folks already know by now who has who have been listening to what's left for some time. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, and it was a very strict religion. And I always felt, always felt something was amiss. Something was just for me. Something was missing, or the fact that I just wasn't allowed to read forbidden literature. We were you're you're not allowed to hang out with other folks that think differently from you. You can speak to them cordially. But you're not allowed to be friends. This time, if I was a Jehovah's Witness, I wouldn't be able to be your friend. Just nor would I be able to allow you to come over my home or anything. It would just be casual. Hi, how are you, colleague, coworker style, just distance. And you're not allowed to uh, just even question certain things because if you do, then it is considered an apostate. You're like considered an apostate if you start wondering about things about the Bible. You start questioning. The religion organization. So for me, I think the biggest thing for me was trying to figure out who I was in the midst of the religion that I had. And I think my friend Jake, who I have invited on What's Left Before, and who is a dear friend of mine, we have strong differences on many things now, but he and I are, we're very close as uh as i think i think a lot of men need to have close relationships and have uh, that mutual support and i consider him one of my best friends i don't say the best because i don't believe in the one i i just think he's one of many that i have feel very close to and i remember that when we were adolescents we would be reading the bible together but we would question things together and then he would do his independent study and then i would be doing some research online and or at the library at the time we didn't have phones like we do now and and i remember he he started questioning from the very beginning he he started reading the bible from genesis onward i'm not sure if he finished because he tends to tends to long uh, book. It, it is a long book although i went through it three times with my family <laughs> i'm not sure if i understood everything um but as a Jehovah's Witness, you're, you, you're told to read from cover to cover. And it's a year thing. And I, I just know he started at Genesis and he started questioning everything. Like, what, are, what does this mean? And why would it be 
only seven days or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the animals in paradise and how were they different today? So why were they, you didn't eat meat at that time in paradise, but now we're eating meat. How is this possible? And what about what's the difference between adapt animals that have adapted versus evolved? And we started doing a lot of research around evolution. And I remember thinking that Jehovah's Witnesses didn't have an answer for everything. And there were a lot of also um, uh, false calls for prophecies, or there were a lot of times that they were just uh, retracted is the word I was looking for, retracted on what they had said in previous magazines. And so this for me was important because it may not seem like it now. I think I even feel distant from that person who I was. I posted today an Instagram story about, because I was doing some uh, cleaning here and this closet here, and I had a lot of pictures. I was looking for my birth certificate, and I come across my maleta, my luggage full of pictures, and I see myself now, how immersed, how involved, how indoctrinated, how how I was surrounded by this world, this burbuja, this bubble where I did not see outside of this and I can see how many people act this way now. And so this is why I think this is an important part of my life because this is the template for what, or this is my empathy, I guess, for what I need when I see people so caught up in the way that they think and they have to be in this mass, what is it called? When you, when you group think, group think. So for me, this was a puncture into this bubble and eventually and ousted outcasted by my community which was very hurtful but it wasn't it was the opening or the crack to understanding that there are things out there that i may not be in the know or may not have thought about or reasoned out with or had even questioned to delve into like i had not i just accepted what was told to me and so I told myself I would never do that again. I think what for me was hard was just not knowing what to do without any sort of guidance or compass. So I just adopted the next thing, which is what I'll say, which I guess is the next pill that I, <laughs> I had to take eventually. But I'll stop there because I think for me, that is the most crucial part. And I have mentioned that in the past, uh, and it's still affecting me to this day in many ways. I still have family. Not all my family is a Jehovah's Witness. Most of them are Catholic and others are atheists or agnostic or just non-believers. And, uh, but the ones that are close to me from my mother's side definitely have an impact on the way that I interact with them. And, uh, and have I've been repetitive here. I have so much empathy for the people who I see trapped, who I see blocked or not able to get out of a way of thinking and will label you, you are, uh, um, you are a worldly person, you know, and now you are either transphobic or you're an anti vaccine per, vax person or you are anything just to categorize you there 
and without listening or debating or sharing ideas or trying to figure out a middle point or trying to figure out how do we work together even if we disagree and that is what i have continuously seen patterns of uh in cult-like thinking no so to me that was the i, I swallowed the biggest pill which was that my religion isn't the truth my religion was not the be all and the end all it was just something that i had been raised and brought up with because of many factors you know <laughs> you start off with like the catholics and religion coming over to to the americas and indoctrinating a bunch of indigenous people and me being a mixed blood and mestizo and then everybody or everybody every latino being a christian or a catholic or some version of a christian judeo religion right which is we can go as far back but that's what i i was brought into and uh and that's as much as i knew and when i left it felt very hollow i, I didn't know what to do with myself and sometimes it feels like even as i'm thinking about this feels like today where i don't know my direction sometimes because having sometimes i joke and say to people when they say they believe in god i say oh i wish i could believe in god as well and maybe i do believe in some spiritual force but when i say god i mean jehovah right like i think jesus or i think of this is the stuff i was brought up with so i say to people who are in the christian still cult i say i think I, I envy them very much so because i wish i had something full of the answers that just makes it so simple and the faith i used to have to be able to walk through a district that is very dangerous and to feel like you have all of god and the army behind you and you are just un you're powerful and you know and uh and I don't have that anymore. I, I just think of real things. Like I think of, okay, well, there are risks and probabilities and I take a risk if I travel a certain place and if I go a certain place and if I meet a certain person, but I mean, I don't have the kind of faith that I see sometimes when I'm traveling. The last time I traveled through Colombia, I was going through a rough area and, and I saw some people praying and I didn't, I just kind of felt a little envious. I thought, well, it'd be nice to sort of have this backup, <laughs> this backup of, of faith where I can feel a little secure of myself, <laughs> but I don't have that. And uh, it must be nice to have answers. It must be nice. I once felt that way. I don't feel that way. And uh, I think the, the answers of the response, the, the answers to the most philosophical questions are so complicated or they're just unanswerable. I, rem I remember once, because I used to read a lot of Richard Dawkins. I remember Richard Dawkins, tell me if I'm talking too much, Jessica. I remember once Richard Dawkins said, he said to someone, I used to watch his debate, just uh, Chris Hedges and, 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 and Richard Dawkins. And, and there was also another one, Christopher, Christopher Hitchens, and uh, and I remember reading. I remember not that's when I looked up. Richard Dawkins said to someone uh, who had 
expressed their faith and who had said that they had seen God or had felt God. And they told Richard Dawkins, you know, I, how can you come and tell me that what I'm believing is false when I have felt the presence of God? Something like this, right? And Richard Dawkins said, look, I, I don't doubt your sincerity. I do not doubt that you have felt or have really, like you're really speaking from truth, except you're delusional because it doesn't, <laughs> just because it's, it's just a feeling. It's not shared. And it's not something you can, you can't just like, it's not something you can just say that exists just because you are the only one who felt it. Now, the other thing he had said was, uh, there was a one more thing he had said. He said, just because you can form a question in the English language or in any language, like if you say, what color is the wind, doesn't make it, doesn't make it a logical question. Like it doesn't mean that it deserves an, a response or an answer. So we may ask certain philosophical questions about what was the beginning of the world or how was, how did the earth start or how did the universe start or whatever. But these questions may or may not merit an answer because it's just a question that's formed in language. It doesn't necessarily mean there might be a response for it. So maybe I'm doing a disservice to what Richard Dawkins says. So I apologize to anybody out there who is a lover of this, uh, of this science. Hardcore Richard Dawkins people on the line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm now agnostic. I used to be a strong atheist. Now I, I'm borderline agnostic atheist right then because I think there are unexplainable things and I don't mind people sharing with me. I have friends who believe in astrology. You do as well, Jess. Uh, I think that's a little bit more like aligned with the stars. There are def definitely things that are strange. Like I know the Mayans have a lot of strange things that have happened, even with the way that they constructed certain pyramids. I'm just amazed. How did they get calculated around the serpent's shadow that is very popular to go as a tourist in this destination in Mexico that I think it's only twice a year that does this, or even just some of the things that have been discovered through the science of uh, the stars. And that includes astrology as well. And I'm not sure. I'm still debating whether that is affecting me or not. But I do know certain things like the moon does affect the rip, rip, rip tides, the tides of the oceans. And I know that the way that the world is rotating and the planets are aligned, I'm sure something is affecting. And those things may not be measurable in certain um, ways. Energy as well is very difficult. There's a lot of things that we have even discussed young what's left about uh the big bang theory and and and, and we had a scientist come on and, and the way that this was discussed is just you know scientists aren't the end it's like also with religion they aren't the end or the be however that expression has been said but uh so i i find now to be more open to things than i was before and even if i may not be so understanding of certain things that may be in the spiritual realm I think I don't want to say, no, I don't believe that, like I used to. I think that's the trauma I had as a Jehovah's Witness. I just wanted to negate and say, no, 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 no. It not make sense, and this is what I'm going to follow. Because, again, that's falling into another trap, which is the scientist consensus trap of, you know, well, I do the scientific methodology, and this is, even though that in itself is not even false because everyone can't question anything these days. So I think 
that's it for me. That, that That's the biggest bill for me to understand that I am not the center of the universe. My truth is not the truth. It's not the truth and out in the world. And I, I'm more open to things than I, than I was. That's the first bill. <laughs> do you do you think there's like like could have been a like a parallel universe where you continued on and stayed in Jehovah's Witness and like or do you think like no matter what like at some point you would have kind of woken up regardless of who knows I mean I yeah I, I really hope people tune in for next week I will be discussing in depth my story as a Jehovah's Witness. I touch on it several times here and there, but I think I'm so excited for it. I'm so episode for it. Story time yeah. episode. <laughs> uh I don't know, Jess. You see, the thing is I I don't think I would have conformed. I think I've always would have had an issue struggle because of my there's around people First people for the fact that I could not be friends with people or who think differently from me. This was a very big thing for me because I, I truly have compassion and love for a lot of people. And I had a lot of desire to help the world. And I thought we were very limited in just teaching people how to read and preaching the gospel. I wanted to do more. So I, I don't know if that internal battle within me, just sitting back and teaching people how to read was going to sit well with me. That's one. Two, um, I don't do very well with just being told. I know that that was something I just, since I was a kid, I remember telling, because we don't have priests like that. We have something called ancianos or elders. And I remember telling, asking one of the elders, I said, you know, I don't understand how Jehovah, how could there have been polar bears or in this one ark, I said this as a child, this one ark has all the all of these animals. How do they have these animals if they are so far away on other continents and you have polar bears up on the north and you have animals down south and they're all different because of the climate and suddenly they're all coming here at one place to be in this one ark and they have different needs. So I just, the question that I had was, for a 10 year old was deep and it was also questioning whether because in the bible it says that that plants were made for i don't remember the exact wording now the verse but that the vegetation was given for humans and for animals to consume it wasn't until afterwards that adam and eve uh, they were uh, banished from the paradise um, the Garden of Eden, that they began to take on sacrifices and and using meat and stuff. But it, 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 my my question was: then how are these animals? Then with you can clearly see lions having uh, the the body for to eat meat. They were not. They 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 were they were going to eat pasture. So questions like that, I think I've always had. So to answer your question, back to your question, the 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 stubbornness, the question, I don't know if I would have stayed in for very long. And thirdly, uh, my 
attraction for people. Uh, my my like, or I don't really call it orientation because I don't like to do it, um, like labels. I think just the attraction I had, the chemistry I had for anybody that I liked, whether it be a female or a male. Uh, I just I don't know how I would have been able to handle that. I don't think I was ready just to go right in and marry someone. Uh, I would have been okay with having just a partner, but relationships at a young age, I'm not very high percentage of them work. And I was already starting to see someone. Her name, I don't think I should say her name. Well, her mother was very insistent on us getting married. And I was 17. She was 17. I don't think it was going to work, <laughs> looking back now. And uh, and I I still have a lot of affection for her because she was like my first kiss sort of thing, and and I really liked her, and I don't think it would have worked. So my attraction, my desire to be with multiple people, to explore who I am is something that I think not that I want to have polygamy or whatever. Like I'm not. Just, I'm saying like let's be clear. I mean like. If this doesn't work, you end one relationship and you start a new there and until you find maybe a person that you might be a match to. And that isn't a proof of in the religion. You have to stick to one person and marry and that's it. And dating is not a part of Jehovah's Witnesses. So these three things might have not allowed me to stay. I don't think there would have been a parallel universe, but who knows? Yeah, I, it's hard for me to imagine. I mean, obviously I haven't spent that much time with you in person and only you know now that you're you know a full-grown adult or whatever but even like from a friendship perspective it's so hard for me to imagine you like <laughs> not like you make like if anyone knows Eduardo like you literally make friends everywhere you go like you have like just such an energetic connection to just people like whatever like even like the romantic sexual stuff like yeah stuff. And just friend friendships like yeah. it's so crazy to imagine like us not being like you being like well I can't <laughs> with you or like you know yeah. that's so wild I think <laughs> I don't know yeah I yeah I don't see myself I don't see myself having survived in a parallel universe that like uh, Jess should we acknowledge some folks that are here yeah. yeah. We have people from literally all over Australia, Chris. Oh my goodness. What's oh up, Jonathan? What's up, Vegematic? <laughs> I feel like a real streamer. <laughs> no, it's cool. We've got a few people watching. Well, I appreciate people always listening in and, and viewing. It's really always, this is why I think I am, whether it be one person or 20 people. I imagine myself sitting in a room with other people if they were present. And that's a lot already, you know? Like having a, 20 people to me is a lot. I get nervous already. I just try to act like it's just you and me. And then <laughs> except then like, uh, like moments, like if we're on live, obviously it's a little yeah. different, but. Well, yeah. anyhow, if people are there, they can always chime in. If you want to ask a totally. question, something, uh, share something from your experience, we can read it out loud. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I don't know what I <laughs> list of like tw 12, I think, that I wrote down. Um, 
some of them are like more political and they're like stuff that I've kind of talked about in previous episodes. So but maybe... it'd be nice to have them in one, in this one. even if you put Yeah, but I feel like, okay, I feel like I want to do like a more personal sort of like one from my like backstory because that's kind of what you did. Um, I mean, this is kind of a heavy one too. <laughs> Thanks, Vegematic. Um, so this is like kind of medical in the realm of like medical red pill, like, you know, sort of waking up to the fact that allopathic medicine is not the be all end all, <laughs> um, as we know, O2L in 2023. But when I was 22, I, I was like super healthy, like normal 22 year old. And I, out of the blue, got this crazy health, um, like had this crazy health uh, catastrophe. I had something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, which is an autoimmune, uh, like neurological issue. Um, and it was like, some, you know, sort of near death experience level. Like I ended up was hospitalized for weeks. And um, for part of it, I was like paralyzed in like 90% of my body, like couldn't right. talk properly, right. couldn't see yeah. really, like couldn't swallow, like just full on body failed. Um, which obviously is like a crazy experience for a 22 year old in any, you know, in any capacity. But from like a like kind of looking back on it, I feel like it. It I guess there's like kind of two levels of like the way that it red pilled me. Um, in like the sort of immediate period after that, because the thing thing about it was like they know they know they you know being like the medical field know some stuff about it um I mean this is like how they presented it to me because I'd never heard of it I was like Gillan what I got what um and I you know they asked me it's pretty well known that it's so it can happen from the flu vaccine but I've never had a flu vaccine in my entire life um my mom was like not anti-vax but like very kind of conservative in England like growing up partially in England like I don't know, at that time, it, I feel like we're always kind of a few years behind. And so it wasn't pushed back then. Like it was, you didn't really get it um, unless you were like elderly or had some, you know, some, you maybe worked in the medical field. So I'd never had a flu shot. So they were like, did you have a flu shot? I was like, no. Did you travel somewhere weird? Cause supposedly it can be like caused by a virus. It can be bacterial. Did I eat anything weird? I'm like, no, 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 no. So basically like they couldn't tell me why I got it. Um, and so it was just this really crazy thing where, I mean, I literally experienced my body going from like completely seemingly healthy, like it, it was literally like I I was I ran like six miles in Central Park, living in New York at the time, on a Sunday, and then by Tuesday morning I was like ninety percent paralyzed in the ICU. So that's like a pretty fast like just you know complete collapse, and it was just so crazy to me that they couldn't you know, even after being, you know, I was in the hospital for like a month. Nobody, even this like high, it was like one of the top neurology departments in the whole country, probably in the world. And they couldn't tell me like why it happened. And so I think for me in the immediate 
aftermath, I kind of realized like, whoa, like this model of medicine is insufficient in terms of their, like just their knowledge, their understanding of health, their understanding of disease, their treatment. I mean, I was treated very, um, I was very fortunate in the sense that the treatment that they gave me more or less worked. Um, and I recovered fully, but then in the years afterwards, like I kind of became a part of the like survivor community or whatever. And, you know, started meeting other people online and then also in person who had had this crazy thing. Um, and I was, I'm pretty much at this point, I think I've maybe met like one or two other people who have recovered completely. So I didn't, sort of realize how freakish it was at the time that I recovered so fast and so completely, like almost no residual symptoms. Um, and yet like no one could explain to me why it happened. Um, they did tell me like, you w probably won't get it again. Um, I'm like, well, how do you know that? You don't even know what caused it. And then I ended up meeting people who had, who did have like a sort of recurring, um, recurring version of it um and anyway so it was just like a, a a real like wake up to like oh my gosh like you can't always just like go to the hospital and have everything explained to you um obviously I felt really lucky to get out of it but then like as I kind of obviously get curious and I started to research more about it after having it and also meeting all of these people who were actually suffering horrible residual symptoms, like absolutely just, you know, wheelchairs and um, insane medical debt and, you know, not being able to like work, stuff like this, like really hardcore, like depressing shit. Um, and so I like, you know, obviously researched it over the years and then toward so it was like it was 2012 when I had it and then by I don't know maybe like 2018 I was starting to read more about like vaccines and starting to become a bit more skeptical like obviously it, it is it is associated with the flu vaccine but um basically I learned like it is largely a vaccine um injury um is my I guess, to some extent, research-based opinion. Um, I'm not saying like 100% of the time it's caused by that, but it really seems like um, it's not It's not just that like the medical establishment doesn't understand what Guillain-Barre syndrome is in all cases, but like, you know, sort of the second level of, of the red pill was like, oh, they're like willfully kind of covering it up. Um, and you look into like, obviously there's a foundation for everything in the medical world. So there's like a GBS foundation, which I, in the immediate uh, years afterwards, like helped raise money for and it, like the walk and rolls. And that's how I met a lot of people in the community. Um, but then come to find out like, oh, who are their like top donors? It's like Pfizer and all of these biotech companies, pharmaceutical companies who of course are very like revered in the community because they're like people are looking for cures people are looking for treatments there's all sorts of um interest in like you know how can we fix this in people who don't heal from it in the 
way that I did. So it's very, it's very corrupt because obviously it's a huge conflict of interest when you have, you know, and it, it really came to a head during COVID with like people arguing over whether it was safe for people to, um, for people to get the COVID vaccine because according to the medical establishment, you can get GBS from the COVID vaccine, but you can also get it from COVID. So it's pretty much like <laughs> risk or risk. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it was a real, real kind of red pilling. Um, I see there are some questions. How long did it last? Um, it was, so I was hospitalized for a month. I would say like until I was like completely healed. Mm, maybe like four or five months. I, I ran my first full-length marathon, I think seven months after diagnosis, which my neurologist, I don't think even believed me when I told him that. It does not normally, does not normally come on that fast and it does not normally um, leave or like get treated that well. I think it, I don't know. I don't know to this day, like, I think it probably helped I was young. It probably helped I was in pretty good shape, but I think there was also maybe an element of luck or, yeah, back on the spirituality discussion, maybe divine intervention or something like that. Um, what was the treatment? So I had something called IVIG, which is basically um, immunoglobulin therapy. And they basically take uh, like quote unquote good antibodies, healthy antibodies from the blood supply and um, inject it or put it intravenously into you. Um, and I had like two rounds of that. And then the other sort of treatment that is pretty common is, I think it's called plasmesis. Don't quote me on that, but it's um, like plasma treatment. So they like take your blood and then like put it in this, it always reminds me of like the bingo <laughs> ball thing, like whatever, um, sort of rush it through this machine and then put it back into you. And that's um, what some people do. Um, but you know, for some people it works for some people it doesn't. So, and it, it, it worked. I had one round and then was sort of like healing and then sort of like had a little bit of a, a relapse and then had to do another round. So it's all very subjective. And yeah, I had had a, uh, I had had a vaccine, I think maybe eight months before. So it's hard for me to know, like if that was a, a factor or not because it wasn't one of those scenarios where like I had a vaccine and then the next day like my health failed but obviously with stuff like autoimmune you know it can it can linger and we've talked about this I remember when we had Amanda on we talked about some of the sort of scientific um mechanisms behind like autoimmune diseases and in, in particular so yeah, I mean like basically my body was really confused and my immune system started attacking itself which is like a overreaction in the immune system, um, which not on that level, but it, it, it certainly was, um, you know, what, what does a vaccine do? Like it, it stimulates a response in your immune system, um, oftentimes with, you know, heavy metals or, um, yeah. So it's, it makes sense why like it happens as a, a vaccine injury in, in at least some people. Um, but it's hard, it's hard to know. Total, yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, it also really shook me from that perspective of, um, read the question. Just Sorry. Yeah. Um, Vegematic said the U S definitely needs Medicare for all. I had a ruptured aneurysm nearly died was in the ICU for weeks. Total cost $0. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. My medical bills were over a million dollars. Like if I would have had to pay for them, I had insurance. Um, so I didn't have to pay. I did have to pay some, but not, not enough to like put me in debt or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild, um, to think. And it's the number one type of debt in the U.S. is medical debt, which is fucked up. I remember you had shared this with me, Jess. It was shocking, to, you know, to for you to have shared this with me. I, I, I never would have imagined you had come through something like this, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, maybe it's because of my bias that I think that as young people are immune to many things, but we're not, you know, it could something could affect us that we either take that is barely being researched and discovered and being used on us and uh, you don't know uh, what could happen you know? yeah uh, go ahead and read maybe just listen like that. i wonder what would have happened if you didn't get treatment and healed naturally yeah, I have obviously wondered that myself. Um, I mean, it's an interesting one because, I mean, there are, there are, I mean, there's not a lot of like funding for it or anything, but there's definitely um, some discussion of more naturopathic styled treatments in the sort of GBS community. Uh, actually, Lion's Mane, <laughs> one of my favorite mushrooms is a, uh, one that gets talked about a lot. Um, but it also like, in my case, it came on so quickly and the paralysis happened so fast. Um, and obviously like, it's scary to lose your faculties in terms of like walking and speaking and stuff like that. But then what happened was like my breathing muscles started to paralyze, like my diaphragm, um, and that's why a lot of the time that they end up intubating GBS patients. Um, so I personally think if I would have been like, I happened to, I had moved to New York, uh, like, I don't know, maybe seven months, eight months before that. Um, and so I happened to be like practically down the road from this like big fancy hospital that happened to have one of the best neurological teams in the country. Um, so I personally think I would have died just because it would it happened so fast. But, you know, for a lot of people, it takes like weeks or months for it to sort of come on. It's actually very common for GBS patients to get turned away at the emergency room. I've met numerous people who've said like, yeah, I went into the ER. They ran these scans. Um, MRI came out clean, which it does for GBS. CAT scans came back clean, which it does for GBS. It, the way that they diagnosed it, at least for me, it was like almost a process of elimination. Like they did all these things to sort of rule out other stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, there, there's definitely um, some interest in more like natural healing. And some people, yeah, it just does like naturally get better. So I don't know. It's an interesting one for me because I obviously now have a extremely like anti-allopathic medicine stance like it you know the only reason i would probably go to a hospital or even you know, like a doctor um allopathic doctor is if i was like hit by a bus or something like that but it is this weird thing where i i, I mean i i think 
allopathic medicine kind of saved my life in that instance. But I also have questions about if I would have gotten sick in the first place, you know, if I hadn't, like I had vaccines as a kid and then into like my teenage years. So I don't know if that helped sort of lay the foundations for um, a, a sort of autoimmune response like this. Like, I guess I'll never know for sure, but it, it does leave me with lots of questions about, yeah, like the way that we put up allopathic medicine as like the savior, like everybody in my life was like, oh, like, thank God you were in New York. Thank God that they diagnosed you so quickly. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one. Everybody yeah. has their health stuff, I think at some point, but I think when you have it really young, you, it kind of changes your relationship to your body. And I do think it probably has a lot to do with why I got so interested in holistic health and increasingly over the years. Thanks for being so transparent with your <laughs> experiences. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't, I know some people find it like traumatic to talk about stuff like this, but mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like a weird thing that happened to me. I just still, when you told me, well, I don't have the shock value, be obviously, because you had talked about this with me when you came here to yeah. SF, but yeah. it just, you know, it just, still mind-boggling that you that you were at one point in you know in icu right an icu right would be an icu that you could yeah 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 um i want to okay. say and you should write about this experience just i wrote like half a manuscript <laughs> and then I don't know, it's sitting in a box in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> One day I'll have to return to it. All right, what else you got, Eduardo? Give us another one. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's with this, uh, the, I had said the left, leftist progressive, Identity politics, Democrat, liberal ideology that I think I just have rejected. There are strains of it, obviously, still to this day that have carried over, as I'm sure that when I was leaving the Jehovah's Witness, there was some residue. And I, I have talked about this as well, but it really has come... So it really, I started questioning 2020, 2021, when I realized things in the What's Left episodes that people see, I had already questioned parts, bits, and pieces here and there. Identity politics, I didn't see how people could choose uh, a person of color just to replace them with another capitalist, another person who's going to be in a ruling position. Uh, and also wasn't at that time when i was doing the episodes uh with andy just it was the two of us i hadn't also subscribed to just the the idea that you know we we, we need to uh what are some of the liberal politics um i think i was letting go all oh, right um 
of the idea that there needs to be immigration reform when I now think obviously differently from that. I think I've always been an open borders person, but I had thought we need to do it this way through legislation. So that was what at one time I had thought. So there were, I guess, pieces of my life that I was beginning to let go of. But really 2020 and 2021 was the pivotal time that I thought not, I'm not interested in playing this game anymore where people are just using me and calling allies. You I have an entire episode about this and I don't want to go in depth when people can see it. Jess, you were on there. It was, it was very, um, hurt me a lot that people would only ally, align with you, ally with you if you follow their beliefs. And that brought back memories of my Jehovah's Witness past. And to this day, it's just I don't talk to some of the people that have left me. Who, well, I would love to talk to them, but they don't talk to me. People who have left uh, me uh, from the Jehovah's Witness past and left me from the all of the different campaigns I was a part of, and mostly in the educator world of SFUSD, everyone in the people that I used to know and talk to, I now don't talk to at all. I just don't feel like I can talk to them without getting upset of how they hurt me, things that they have said. So I really got that this is just, you are only in your only friends, you can only be friends with people if you believe like them, if you think like them, and if you act like them. And that is, I think even as you will share, I think that that's something that maybe you come to it before I did, uh, and I was probably late to it. But I think being hurt, being pushed, being rejected, being uh, outcasted again, caused me to understand that at a deeper level that I knew that I could not follow along with this anymore. And uh, and so I think that today it's still trying to get over the ways to think about things. Voting was important for me, very important for me to go and, and campaign, be, a, be backing up a candidate that was necessary for us to transition to a better world. And being a part of communities that I now see as a lot of waste of time. I still listen. I still listen to KPFA because there are many areas that I think I'm still aligned with. I still believe in abolishing the police. Obviously, I still believe in um, peace and the war in uh, Ukraine is now being questioned more and more on KPFA by a lot of uh, uh, hosts. So I'll listen to the people they'll bring on. Uh, I still believe in uh, making sure that uh, racism is not, that racism isn't, um, is acknowledged, but I don't like it being used in a way that is just trying to silence voices or trying to divide us. I think that when racism and sexism and even any sort of ism that is being pushed or, or being attacked or assault, people are assaulted by, I think it should go hand in hand with the fact that these things exist because of capitalism 
and that we need to we need to, wherever your path may be whether it be socialist or anarchist or if we are anti-capitalists then these things will just be dismantled as a whole we need to be taking care of this and i think we'll still have to work with people who have certain things hanging with them but we'll have to work sort those out together as working class folk so i still think that these things are important to me what is important to me is and i roll my eyes and i can't stand listening to people is the need for censorship that i see constantly from the left promoting this idea that we need to control the way that people think and listen to um so i don't like this controlling way of thinking and speaking or speech being controlled and i don't think the answer is with republicans and the right-wingers and i don't think the answer is with democrats and the liberal folk i think we really need to question how we've been corralled into these two forces so um, yeah Maddox just said that's very sad hurt people hurt people politics is just one more way to divide the people i think it's really interesting how like the immediate response of like like in this example or just like the past couple of years it's like if you break from a leftist position on like one small mainstream thing then it's like automatically you're a right winger <laughs> it's just like the exact divisiveness that i think is being referenced and i mean i it's a trap really so when i see people online promoting fox news or i see them attacking the left I I want to remind them that they should be questioning their sources as well as I'm questioning my sources. You know, I listen to the BBC and I listen to Democracy Now still. I constantly am listening to it with a filter. And I do listen one hell of a filter. <laughs> it, is, it is. I listen to 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 it with with the 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 the, the episodes or 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 stuff that Jake sends me. So it's a healthy balance because Jake sends me a, a lot of things. So it's 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 I'm able to decipher with both. And Jake hates KPFA and he hates all so he's a very big proponent of a lot of independent and right wing media. So it, it kinda balances out in my head as I'm trying to deal with it and have headaches over it and garden as I'm listening to these things. But it uh I don't stick to either. I it really just gives me a view, a, like um, what do you call it? Thermometer of what's happening in the world and how people are thinking. And I think that's important. We have to be current. Some people may argue and say no, but I do think we should be uh, checking what the world is, how the world is viewing certain events, and and yeah. then we should then question those, right? Like going on right now with um rfk running which i'm sure we'll talk about at some point um even though i don't do a lot of electoral politics on the show <laughs> for this very reason but yeah like just these debates over whether it's a good thing that he's running period but also like he's running as a democrat so just the the sheep dogging of people right back into that same system of Either or, you know, us or them, red or blue, pick one as if like <laughs> there can't be two, you know, 
two yeah. two baddies, right? Like they're they both suck. So let's do something else. It's just it's not a hard concept once you kind of pan back, but I still feel like there's so many people just stuck in the the binary. Yeah. What am I going to say, I guess, when people who think we're on the same page about things and they tell me, who are you voting for? Or what are you, uh, or there's this, there's this stuff happening and we need to do something about it, go out and protest here on Market Street in downtown. I don't have this pool anymore like I used to. So maybe... I just think that my efforts, I've discussed this before, my efforts are very sacred. What I what I do at my school and the push for more collective action with working folk is my is my concentration and my connection, my relationship with the communities I'm already building with that are very important to me, such as uh, the immigrant folks that I have connected with and the people in the mission district that you have come over to just so uh you know electoral politics are not going to as they once were they're not going to motivate me or excite me it just i i think of all the time that i wasted now that i could have listened to a lot there goes october trying to get in uh it's so funny She's so funny. She wants to get in. But she's going to be everywhere, and I'm going to have to the neighbor's cat, or yeah, my neighbor's cat. Or the your cat. <laughs> my neighbor's cat. Who I don't know what the name to this cat is, but October is the name. What's the cat? Yeah. I have names for all my neighborhood cats. <laughs> I'm sure. Like, How oh, many visitors? Scorpio's visiting. <laughs> That's not his name. <laughs> so. We'll see. We'll see what happens, and that's that's how I feel. That's the second greatest pill. I need folks to really look. I got really emotional. You were on there, Jess, when we did this whole episode on my journey mm -hmm. on COVID and everything. That I, my fight for a beautiful, for the sake of children and seeing people use uh, COVID to excuse themselves to get uh, to get political and October is crying in the background uh, and to take advantage of this on working class folk they're on the backs of people who are working class and then get a rise to power like the people in the union that I know that use people scared and fear-mongering of COVID to try to get to political positions that is the stuff that I don't want to be a part of anymore and that's what I'm going to stay away from so so do you feel like COVID was kind of like your breaking point of like sort of identity politics and using people that you had already witnessed or was it kind of like the final revelation that then you were like okay i'm i think I'm when you think i think identity politics was more intellectual like i understood that people were uh just replacing one democrat with another right one one person with power with another just a change of a color like uno <laughs> right yeah. what i what I, I think what affected me personally and how I was shunned and and even though I was in the, the news and I was being ignored and gaslit by people and in the media and everything, 
I think that really proved to me, yeah, this is it. I, it really hit me hard to know, no, this works everywhere. This isn't just some office out there in Chicago and New York and San Francisco. This is actually, you don't matter to anybody unless you have a group way of thinking, unless you think like, like cattle, everyone has to think the same way. And then that brings up the other things that were brought up out of COVID, Jess, and you know this, censorship and alternative voices. And, and as we now know with the Twitter files, how many of us and, or how many scientists that were trying to come out against the COVID vaccine or saying that it wasn't as bad as it was, there's a, the whole massive blockage and, and, and what do you call it when the lights go out? The power, power out. They, sh they take the power out. Uh, outage on everybody, which is what I saw. And everyone had to mass, like, think slavery. Like, I'm sorry, maybe that's maybe too rough for some people. But to me, it's like, you are only allowed to think this way about COVID. That is so Orwellian. Yeah. Do you know? You know what I'm talking about, Jess. Maybe I'm not. And this is what, from from my personal experience, to then seeing how the world was operating at that time i'm sorry it was just too much for me i thought this is not the path i'm taking you can't question anything you can't this is this is what the world is what this is what we're leading into right and we're still feeling that and now i see people suddenly taking off their masks and whatever and you know we're left with how much control the government has already done to us in now I, I think there was something I was this is why I listened to the news as well. Something was uh unleashed with all the passports that they were doing on medical records. I'll look it up. I'll put a link oh, in the photo. In New York? Something like that. I, I Yeah, they I, like they I think they like um not leaked but like uh uh like flagged uh fingerprints. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, there was something I, I can't remember at this time. Yeah. Uh so I, yeah, there was something that happened. I'll put a link to it. I can't remember at this time, but the, all the data that was being used for COVID is now being used for a different purpose, which isn't what the original plan was. Shocker, <laughs> shocker. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so, so I just, yeah, right. And so now I, to anyone, just, just look at the Twitter files. There's a lot of stuff. And that's just one company, you know, it's not enough, but Facebook and everything, all this is colluded with the government to try to uh, gaslight us and to, to block information just really is my pivotal moment in my red pill is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I didn't put COVID on my list, but I do feel like it was a big one and it's like, I don't know. I, obviously, you there's came some... this early on. I think you were very. Well, I remember that when we interviewed you, you had already questioned things. Just... Well, I, you know, I've gotten a lot of shit wrong over the years, and I'm happy to admit <laughs> that. But I, yeah, I mean, from from March 2020, I I did not buy into any of it. Like I remember going to a potluck during 14 days to flatten the curve, like the actual 14 days. It was like day six. And I was like, went over to my like hippie vegan friend's house after like six days of everybody just being in this insane like media lockdown 
trance state and me thinking like, am I crazy? Am I crazy? And I went over to her house and was like, cause she was like really into holistic health and a lot of the same stuff I was. And I remember just like knocking on her door being like, uh, am I crazy or is everybody else fucking nuts? And she's like, everybody else is fucking nuts. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it, from, from the get go, it just didn't, it didn't make sense with anything that I knew about health or the world. But yeah, I feel like for me, like it, it kind of was, it was like a lot of stuff that had been like festering on different things that I'd just been like kind of walking the line because it, was easier to just I mean obviously it's easier to just go along with what the people around you and the sort of mainstream culture wants you to go along with um I mean not to say like obviously I you know would go to protests and certain stuff but like you know I like was a good little girl and would fall in line and fill out my ballot and all that kind of stuff and and also just like not speak up on certain issues um like the one we talked about last week is a big example. And I think COVID like in this, in the same way that you felt so hurt by people in your life. Like, I think for me that just having people just be so like offended by even just asking a question, like, you know, posing a question open-ended just, there was just no tolerance for it at all. And for me, it was just like the, what do they say? The straw that broke the camel's back. I'm just like, I was just like, I'm done. Like, I'm not, not going to shut up about this. I'm not going to fall in line. Like I fucking had it. And then I feel like it's helped me kind of come out of my shell on other issues and actually speak my mind without, you know, sort of self-policing, um, which I don't know. I mean, maybe I, Maybe I go too hard sometimes because I definitely lost lost a lot of friends, but I think a lot of us did in 2020, 2021. Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. Okay, I have a lighter one, kind of. Um, uh, I just wanted to say quickly oh, before yeah. we move on. Let me just charge my phone because yeah. What I wanted to say was, I had gone to the clinic yesterday. And my doctor said, first the nurse asked me, oh, you don't have any COVID shots? Have you taken? I said, no. And then she said, oh, you plan to take one at all? And I said, no. I Do I need one? I haven't died yet. And she stood at me. And then the doctor came out and she said, oh, what about COVID? I said, look, I, I don't take things that I don't need. And I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't plan to. So. If you keep asking the question, it just won't change my mind. And I had a previous doctor that had also pushed for it. And I hadn't also taken it then, and she had pushed for it. So please, I think it doesn't help because she's a new doctor for my advice, a new doctor for me. It doesn't help our relationship if you keep pushing because otherwise I will feel, I will feel, you know, just this hostility coming here. And, and then she just let it go. And everything was fine. But, uh, it's still being locked the door until you until you can <laughs> so anyhow that was my experience yesterday well i'm glad right. you saw yourself <laughs> <laughs> what third one okay i one of my big one i was thinking about just like stuff that i get 
the most pushback on like on a daily basis like not necessarily in like super political like heightened emotion spaces but just like stuff on the daily um the sun okay literal red pill literal major red pill <laughs> um just the the process of waking up to the level on which I guess mostly the medical industry, but just mainstream American culture and Western culture has made people afraid of the sun and has like demonized it and literally like I, I, to the point where, you know, when I go outside without sunscreen, like literally I have people in my life who are like, you're going to get skin cancer. You're going to get skin cancer. <laughs> and when you look into it, which I I was trying to think about like when my, my red pill on this issue kind of really started to come forth. And I think it was maybe like 2018 ish when, I mean, I always was like using natural, like more natural sunscreens. Cause I knew they were full of like, you know, chemicals and shit. Um, carcinogenic chemicals usually, right? Like ironic. Um, but when I really started to get into the science or whatever on like cancer and um radiation and um the sun and vitamin d and all this kind of stuff was like 2018 i i was living in seattle i had been living in seattle for a while and every winter i would just get more and more depressed um you know whatever they call it, seasonal affective disorder um I, like i've always loved the sun i've always, always just ever since i was a kid like i just fucking love this summer i love being in the sunshine summer comes and I'm just happier more energetic I think a lot of people are that way maybe I'm like more that way than average some would say it's my astrological placements double leo it's my ruling planet whatever but and then like especially as a redhead you know people are like oh like you can't go in the sun right like as if I'm just gonna literally like burn up within five minutes um, but I got, I started looking into red light therapy in like, I think it was around 2018. Um, and I ended up buying, a uh, pretty halfway decent red light and using it like every morning I'll just like meditate in front of it for, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. Uh, and it really helped, but through researching red light therapy, I started to learn like all this shit about, um, like the eyes mitochondria circadian rhythms and like how much all of that shit affects your health overall um and this was also when i was starting to dip my toes into like fertility and and hormones in that respect and obviously there's a lot of connections there um and yeah it turns out like actually um sun exposure is even in under allopathic research models again and again it is associated with um better all-cause mortality stats so e even among cancer patients which is very interesting um yeah i just think it's like it's just another one of these like wow they've really fucking flipped it they've made people afraid of like the most basic life energy available uh, everybody's slathering themselves in these like chemical SPFs, covering up, not going outside, not getting vitamin D, um, or like getting it through a supplement, which is just not even remotely comparable. Um, 
And yeah, now now I'm like, I almost never use sunscreen, um, which always shocks people. Uh, I will just go in the shade if I start to get a little red. Um, and I've also learned like through reading research, but also through direct experience that like, there's just a lot of ways in which you can kind of um, like be more in alignment with natural circadian rhythm and hormones, like going outside, like and getting sunlight, ideally like on your skin, but most importantly on your eyes, uh, like first thing, like ideally sunrise, but like early morning, like pre 9am, just going outside, even if it's for like five, 10 minutes, better than nothing getting that early morning light exposure through your eyes supports your entire circadian rhythm. So like cortisol levels, right. Which like everybody's fucking stressed out, cortisol spiking. Um, and we're all looking at like, you know, blue light at 11 PM when our cortisol is supposed to be lower. Um, so I started learning, getting like real pretty, pretty nerded out on like, um, red light, circadian. Um, I got like blue light blockers that I'll usually wear um, if I'm looking at my laptop or my phone after you know sunset. Um, yeah, ditched the sunscreen, ditched like most skincare products except you know I'll use like a little tallow or um, hydrosols in that. But um, yeah. Oh, and then the other the other big one that I always get daily pushback on uh, is sunglasses too. Sunglasses fuck up your body's um, natural melatonin response. Like obviously it makes makes sense. Like you're making your body think that it is darker than it is, and so your body's not producing the melatonin in order to protect your skin from getting burned because it doesn't realize how bright the sun is. Right. So if you're if you're going out every day at noon in sunglasses. Um, of course you're going to be more likely to burn. So yeah, I, I almost never wear, I almost ne never wear SPF and I almost never wear sunglasses, um, which is, uh, not a popular opinion. You are just full <laughs> of things, Miss Jessica. I know. I get, I get more shit for that than my COVID stance, my gender stance. Yeah. You did oh. your sunglasses and all of a sudden everybody's like. Which <laughs> interesting. Yeah. You you really should meet my ex-partner. <laughs> no. <laughs> she was gonna she would be so aligned with you on so many levels of this stuff. Yeah. She believes in birthing and she's a doula and she's all Oh my about god, that. you didn't even put free birth on my list. Okay, you gotta add free birth. <laughs> Yeah, I want to meet her. She sounds like my twin flame, but I I fear she is more like hardcore. Oh, she and is. It would make me feel like oh, I'm just like a little <laughs> like dishing red pills at me. What is someone they draw the line at sunscreen? Who? Oh, they do. <laughs> Oh, it regimatic looks it sure isn't free speech for a previous company. I don't know if you had read that, but yeah, I think that was on your on your. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you're just full of surprises. I, I just <laughs> you're going to give me all of these red pills. <laughs> yeah, no sunglasses. Just 
check them out. I think even Nora had suggested, if I don't remember, she had told me that there were exercises I can do for my eyes so that I can get rid of, you know, my specs that I can just see and use uh, my eyes and heal myself. There's a I have heard that. I don't know a ton about it, but I have heard that, like, it's possible to improve your eyesight um, through diet, circadian, light, exercises. Light energy, exercises. Well, I know, I know it. I should, I mean, what am I saying? Like when I had GBS, my eyesight was so fucked up and it, it healed. I mean, a little bit of a different mechanism, <laughs> I'm sure. But like, yeah, I thought for a while, I was, they, they did tell me, they were like, you're probably going to need glasses like for the rest of your life. <laughs> no. We should mention here that Jess does tinctures. She's a yoga teacher, an astrologer and a holistic a healer, a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else you are also doing. You do a lot. I, I dab. I dabble in a lot of things. <laughs> a writer, master dancer. Uh, anyhow, should we do our? Should we do one more each and then wrap it up? Well, this is. I'm going to state my third. Perfect. Uh. I'm not sure if it's a red pill. I think it's uh I think it's more I'm at a crossroads. I'm but I think I'm upset that it has to be red pill versus blue pill. The only thing I know It doesn't. It's kind of a dumb a dumb yeah. teamwork. It's just an excuse to chat. Right. Just <laughs> I for just the wanted prompt. to hang out with you, Eduardo. Yeah. <laughs> it's the prompt of this of this episode. Uh, it's this this whole thing on trans issues that you have done some you've messed with my head about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. I red pilled you. Shit. <laughs> uh, I had been skeptical at first. Um, as I had said in the previous uh, episode that I invite folks to look at, um, I do believe that there might be some percentage, just like intersex folk, there might be some percentage of folk that to their mental health, it is necessary for them to perform as a woman. I, I don't think that drag counts. Um, I'm talking about people like Angel Buck, that if that is necessary for their health and they aren't harming a lot of people are not pushing ideology and they're just living their life, their own private lives. And then sure. I mean, they acknowledge that they're in, in Angel Bucks's uh, own experience, as well as uh, other trends that I have looked up uh, since they just want to live their private lives and, and not push anything onto people, which to me, that doesn't make any, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bothered by that. What I didn't realize in, in, in further investigating and having had these discussions with you, Jess, are the kids that are self-identifying and we are affirming at an alarming rate that I'm so concerned about. And I think that anybody being labeled transphobic today because of a slight sense or there might be some change or there I don't know. It, it, it just, to me, it doesn't. Or because they are gay. I mean, that, yeah. Right. 
and and uh and so i i think that that is similar to what we, my experiences that i have discussed right with jehovah's witnesses and liberal politics and if you are aligned with the certain view that they're pushing then you are just a bigot you are you know you are transphobic or and that to me isn't healthy in our society to just to label folk and to say that you know you can't have any other alternative view or a discussion or question anything because you are not aligning with the current uh, mainstream ideology and so i i for me it is important to continue the conversation and not to label any anybody and i i'm still struggling in some areas i don't think i'm struggling I don't, i'm not with kids i do i, I wonder about my nephew and I wonder about my goddaughter and I wonder about my nephews and nieces in Mexico and I think this phone thing and the internet and porn it's really messing with their minds and the impressionable minds and if they're already played we didn't mention this but places in the UK aren't even approving of these changes on adolescence I think you might know more about this than I do uh, then I think that there is something fishy around having big pharmaceutical complex industries trying to push something that other, clearly in other countries isn't working. Um, and, you know, so this is, uh, this is uh, something that I'm just struggling with around adults and where do they fit in our society? Because honestly, just I don't think that they will go away there are a percentage of people that will be around but can we have these discussions to to assure our kids that they are fine in the bodies that they are in that's what i am interested in and uh even looking at my pictures today i was thinking about how i was not comfortable in the skin or the body or the identity that i was not like the identity i wanted to affirm and be i'm saying well, i was born into a certain race and nationality not because of my choosing. I was just born with Mexican parents and I was trying to assimilate into a country. I was trying to, I hate, I hate, hate, hate my, my speech, my accent, my voice, my, my mannerisms. These are things that, you know, I've, I've, I think I've shared this with you just privately. I don't like looking at myself in videos and I hate recording. And these are the things that I have struggled with because I wanted to look a particular way I wanted to fit in and that meant to, to look a particular way and that was also trying to be more masculine trying to be more buff trying to have a more manly voice trying to have uh the stereotypical idea of what a man is supposed to be and that is not what i want our kids to feel and i don't want them to feel that way that drives them to the point it didn't drive me to the point that i think that i should have been a woman because that's not i never had I didn't have doubts in my head about things like that but uh, I've always felt comfortable with my sex. Yeah. But if that is what makes, if I, I felt insecure about my body and who I am, uh, I'm sure many kids are feeling that way. And so it, I appreciate you, Jess. I want to be thankful for you and the, the contributions you have made to what's left and also the challenges that you have posed to us on what's left 
and uh, it really has stirred the pot and created ripple effects. Like I have now discussed this with other people. So it, it I, I always felt like, I don't wanna do it like an identity politics kind of thing, but it is, I see the value of having had a woman an adult female. <laughs> I'm only saying that because that's constantly- Old man, Cozy Parker. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know what you mean and and likewise I mean I don't know it's just so hard to watch like even even like what you just said like you're not even like a child or whatever like you're just a friend or whatever you know we're both adults and have our own struggles and have our own identities multiplicitous identities but like even hearing you just say like oh I don't like my mannerisms I don't like my accent like I hate that. Your mannerisms are perfect. Your accent is perfect. Like what? How could you not? Not? I don't know. It's just. I just think we are all just so self-loathing and so hard on ourselves, and I just yeah. want everybody to not feel yeah. that. You know. It's the importance of self-confidence and to build our children so they can be strong. You know, because in middle school. Just to be told, oh, you have an accent, and then having to watch, you know, Wallace and Gromit and watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood constantly at that age, just so that I can speak like them or try to try to get rid of the way, even a slight, a slight hint of me being Latino, of me having a Spanish accent in my English. That was the ultimate goal of trying to eliminate, you know, and I've heard this by other other people who have come to this country at a young age and trying to assimilate. And that, or it, that's the part of the immigration part, but then part of the that being Latino as a first generation or second, I don't know what I'm considered, first or second generation, having been here and having split between two countries. And then the part of being a man and, and being a young boy, it's, it's like these things, oh goodness, like, you have to build, we we have to really build our children to be strong in the face of this. And that doesn't mean changing who you are and definitely not mutilating your yourself. That might be offensive to some, but it is like the experiments that are being caused onto our kids and the regrets that they can have later on and the decision that one can make. I just, I don't want anyone to feel that way. Anyhow, yeah, we discussed that. that that dumb like yoga teacher line of like you know imagine yourself saying the things that you're saying about yourself to your best friend or like a child in your life who you love and like if you wouldn't say it to them then why are you saying it to yourself you know whether it's like body image stuff or personality stuff or like like i'm trying to imagine you eduardo like telling one of your friends like oh you should really work on that like accent your accent's just not aesthetically <laughs> pleasing to yeah. my ear or whatever like you would never fucking say that you would probably celebrate it right yeah but you, you're so harsh on yourself i don't know although i i, I do beg forgiveness for <laughs> to some people for trying to help them improve their spanish accent so in spanish not <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just so that they can try to yeah. sound more native, and not because I think I don't find it endearing. Like if you spoke Spanish, I don't think I would harp on you about your accent in Spanish. It's just trying to 
get yeah. to the place where you can feel most comfortable in the Spanish language. It isn't to try to totally yeah. give them what I went through unless they really want to experience it. Yeah. Well, even me, like fucking, I spoke English, but even moving from England to America, it was like, you can't fucking please anyone. Like, Americans are like, you sound weird. And then I'd go back to England and they'd be like, you sound weird. <laughs> it's like, I, oh, I don't know. I can't, I can't. Right. And if I just could, because I know we should be wrapping up soon, but yeah. to a quick antidote to that, um, I have friends. I There's a friend of mine that I took care of her children uh, in the UK in the Florestine, and they were raised in the, in in the Florestine, and now they are living in Oakland. Here, I can hear that they are trying to change their accent because they were raised in, in the UK. Uh, what if there was a surgery to change someone's accent? Would Interesting question, Kahanu. What if there was a surgery to change someone's accent? Would we be encouraging others to do it? No. <laughs> and what's so funny is like a lot of people are really, I mean, maybe there's there's definitely like a racist element of it where like some accents are, you know, cool. Like when I moved, people did really like my British accent. You yeah. know, like, you fucking understand me because <laughs> I didn't sound like the queen. But then some accents obviously are really looked down upon. Um, but there is like an aspect of like exoticness or like difference that we're like attracted to of like, oh, you sound, you sound like you come from somewhere else. Like I'm interested in that. I'm intrigued. Like <laughs> my mom's like, she's like that. If she hears an accent, any type of accent, like she will from down the hall, like track the person down. Where are you from? Tell me your life story. Like, I just want to hear your experience and there's something yeah. there's something very human about the judgment but then there's also something very human about you know being interested in people who are not like you and yeah. Yeah. i hear when i hear my 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 mother speak i think oh i'm way not like that i don't speak that way and then i hear myself on what's left and then it's like oh i need to work on myself pronounce more enunciate more and then i doubt my words because i'm thinking i probably sound stupid if i don't use it correctly and then i ask you because i feel like you're the english major here because <laughs> you are the, okay. if anyone does not know hosing is a, is a phd a, a phd doctorate so that's why <laughs> This is not my, this is not my, uh, what I lead with. <laughs> oh, should we wrap it up? I feel like we've been going an hour and a half. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thanks everyone who tuned in and we appreciate, uh, the comments, the, the questions and, uh, just for joining us really. Thank you. everyone. Yeah. And definitely tune in next week for Eduardo's solo episode on his Jehovah's Witness journey i'm super stoked to to hear it and then the following week i think we'll all be back well andy eduardo and me i don't know hopefully kenny's gonna be hopping in at some point but obviously he has he has some other priorities right now a lot of other things yeah yeah all right well let's conclude then <clears throat> that does it for this week's episode what's left is a weekly, a weekly political podcast that's channel challenging the mainstream left we post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes wherever you found this episode or on our blog at whatsleftpodcast.com. Uh, you can find past episodes to this podcast uh, slash channel there and connect with us. I remind folks, if you like anything you have heard here, please subscribe, rate, review, turn on your notifications, 
to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes, Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, Rumble, or Telegram. And you can find our blog and any of those links in the episode notes wherever you found this episode. And if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or something or suggest something for us to cover, contact us through our blog. And thank you for someone who had suggested to get Alison back on. We would love to get her back on. So if you, as we're saying here, give us feedback of something you'd like to suggest for us, something to cover. Uh, maybe the folks who would like Alison to be on What's Left should contact Alison to tell her to come here because we love Alison and want her to be back anytime soon. She's always welcome to come back here. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca with co-host Jessica and, and, oh, and Andy's in Iceland. And uh, you can find our social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca on Instagram and just as Twitter handle as at jhome89. Thank you all for listening. Thank you very much. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Peace.